the promise that I issue to you is that by one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. LBC 97.3 Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Three minutes after 12 and a top of the afternoon to you. Um, 0845 is the number to call if you want to get involved. Mystery Hour is a fairly straightforward exercise in mutual intellectual enrichment. By one o'clock today, as you just heard that uh, dulcet jingle state, I will and you will know more than we do now. There are uh, various ways that I could prove this to be true, but the best is for you just to stay put and listen if you haven't before. If you want to get involved, you know what to do. It's the radio equivalent if you will of the newspaper columns the perpetually popular newspaper columns where readers invite other readers to educate and illuminate them so you write in with a question why do we do that what what, what is that about where does that come from how, how or your child might have asked you something you know the sort of question i mean normally you have to wait weeks to uh to get an answer not here minutes mere minutes in fact you probably will have it within about 10 or 15 minutes of asking the question uh, there are no rules so to speak we have a sort of dullness guard i.e. if your question is unlikely to be if the answer to your question is unlikely to be of interest to anyone except you you're not going to get on i apologize for that and and uh it's entirely at the producer's discretion so it, it will just simply be that we don't think it's interesting enough to put before a wider audience we might get it wrong but uh, you just have to live with it and repetition as well uh, so if you have a question which through no fault of your own you don't realize has been asked and probably answered in relatively recent memory we'll probably kick that one into the long grass as well other than that pretty much anything goes so as long as it's neither dull nor repetitious it's welcome and by that i mean the full gamut from highbrow to lowbrow from serious to downright silly that's pretty much all you need from me um the rest is fairly self-explanatory ian's in epsom ian question or answer afternoon james uh it's a question it would be it would be, here, it would be it? wouldn't it yeah with you being <laughs> the first caller go on, go on. What, what uh, anyway, moving on swiftly yes uh, the uh <laughs> right the olympic the, the, on a podium when you at the olympic ceremonies when they're giving out the medal uh, I, I saw this on the TV the other day about the uh, Inter Championships. The, uh, they're giving out the medals. Number three of the podium, third place on the right-hand side, two is on the left and one is in the middle. Yeah. Why? Why, why, why is it that combination? Why is it two, two one, three? And... Well, why not? No, that wasn't my question. No, well, that, it's, question it's, it might be the answer. I mean, it's 50-50. It's got to go one way. Well, it, can, well you know, it could go one, two, three. Three, two, one. Oh, so you wouldn't uh, have the winner in the middle. Three. You'd have the winner on the far right rather than the far... Yeah, you could have the, well, you could have the winner first. You never you get a winner on the far right in this country. <laughs> Thank there's God. No, there's, <laughs> there's, uh, no, there's a few combinations, aren't there? I yeah, there are. Sorry. I thought, I thought we were presuming that the winner was in the middle and then you've got the second highest one either to his left or to his right, but you could have the winner on either end as well. So you've got right, yeah. how many combinations? Three times, two times. Well, I think you've got six combinations there, six yeah, possible yeah. combinations employing my grade E AO level statistics. You um, you're on. Uh, why, why, yeah, who decided to do it that way around? That'll do. That's what we'll find out. You're on. I like that. Nice and Olympic as well. Although next week and the week after are probably likely to be Olympic-dominated mystery hours. It's nice to get in there a little early. Uh, six minutes after 12. Phone lines go bonkers this hour, but that doesn't mean you won't get one. I promise you. Just judicious use of redial. 0845 6060973. Scott's in Brentford. Scott, question or answer? Yes, James. The second time I'm on it. Right. <laughs> I've got a question. Come Do on, man. Nah. Yes. Okay. Right. Why is green... 
associated with jealousy? Oh, that's a great question. We've never, ah, done, we've never done that before. Listen, listen, the last time I was on here, you forgot to give yourself a round of applause as well. Well, I'll take oh, it now, then. Hang on. Come on, Jones. <laughs> Do you know, I've felt something missing in my life. And, uh, how long ago was that? That was, oh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Yeah, I've battery, been very... The battery was going to run out, wasn't it? I've and been, you kept me talking. Been very di- oh, that was it. I remember that. I've been very discombobulated by that missing round of applause. I bet there's more than one as well. Why is green associated with jealousy? And it goes way back. I can give you a quick Shakespeare reference to You're it. You're not going to get a round of applause for this one. Come oh, well, on. All right, then. Why is green associated with jealousy? Beware, my lord of jealousy, said Iago to Othello. It is the green-eyed monster that doth mock the meat it feeds on. Quite a lot of stuff in English. A lot of stuff. What's happening? my consonants quite a lot of stuff in english it's hard to track earlier examples than shakespeare an awful lot of phrases that are in common parlance were first or or to the best of our knowledge first cited by him i don't know whether that will prove to be the case there and i don't know why he chose a green-eyed monster for jealousy alan is in canary wharf alan question or answer a question please james Mm. james why are strawberries sold in a punnet and is there any other fruit sold like it a punnet Yes. Well, isn't that like saying why are eggs sold in a box? Yeah, or loose. Well, I can understand why not so uh, sold. It's because you can squash them and squeeze them. But um, but why a punnet? I think... I don't... You mean where does the word punnet come from? Because loose, soft fruit is sold... All right, yeah. Where does it come from? But why a punnet? And why not a box? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's either a very good question or a, or a not very good one. Just, it's not just what? strawberries. You buy a punnet of gooseberries and a punnet of raspberries, don't you? Soft fruit. No, I don't think you can. I, I think, think you, you can. Do. Well, I'm going to, I, 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 I'm going to go home today and try buy a punnet. <laughs> it's got to have something to do with the fact that, that that you are not buying a fixed weight because it's soft fruit and it's random and they're all different sizes. It would be far too much of a malarkey for the farmer to sell you 500 gram portions so a punnet because it hasn't got a lid maybe it's a box without a lid because you, you, you have bits of fruit poking over the top of it is that a punnet do you think well i think so yeah it's like when you buy them in a supermarket they're sealed aren't that's they? not a punnet well then what is it then a box well like um you have a look at the signs in the supermarket it'll say punnet no it won't not if they're sealed <laughs> only if they're open oh, a punnet a punnet is an unsealable box and the reason why it's unsealable is it has fruit protruding from the top. Well, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. No, nor am I, but I make a good politician being as plausible as that. You're on. Yes. When is a punnet not a punnet? 0845 If you know the answer to any of the questions that you hear, you have to ring me, otherwise your radio will melt. Um, who decided the order on podiums at the Olympics? And why is green associated with envy or, indeed, more accurately, Jealousy. Uh, Angela is in Croydon. Uh, Angela, question or answer? Hello, Angela. Um, Children are told never to look at the sun because they'll go blind. That's a perfectly decent newspaper. I have several friends who work on it. How do do animals know not to do this, or are they just more intelligent than us? No. I I, I mean, if your child does look at the sun, he's not going to do it for very long, is he? Well, it can damage their eyes. Yes, but it, he's not going to stop because he's been told that it's damaging his eyes. He's going to stop because it hurts, and it makes no sense, and it feels weird. Well, they, how about when there's a, an eclipse? Well, animals aren't going to know there's an eclipse. Of course they are. How? Who's told them? The place goes... Well, that's what I'm telling you. What? 
I'm, that's what I'm asking you. The place goes dark. Well, then there's no sun to look at. Yes, but if you start looking too soon... Well, when is an animal going to do that? Well, that's what I want to know. How do they know they shouldn't do it? Because it hurts their eyes. How do they know they shouldn't jump in a fire? But people do. But animals don't. No, they don't. How do they know not to? That's the question. Because it hurts. All right. So, so you here's win. a... It, you it, win. It's not a battle, Angela. It's a, it's a, it's a mutual quest for enlightenment. <laughs> well, I wanted enlightenment. Well, you are now enlightened. It's exactly the same as a fire. How does my cat know not to jump into the fire, despite even as a tiny kitten being completely fascinated by flames? Because he gets just close enough to appreciate the heat and realise that the closer he gets, the hotter it will be. How do they know not to stare at the sun? Because they look at it just enough to realise that it can't possibly be doing them any good. It's uncomfortable. They can't focus properly afterwards, which makes them more vulnerable to prey because they're doing that sort of blinking weird thing. So they do it once or twice and then they know never to do it again. And do children? Children pretty much, you're very, very, it's highly unlikely you're going to have a child who, who insists on staring at the sun to the point of temporary blindness. Okay, I'll leave it with that at that. Are you Thank happy? You no, but much. are you happy though? Kind of. <laughs> I sense you don't feel you've had full... Well, I didn't think I got a scientific answer, but there you are. Well, it's, it's I mean, it's, you've got a logical question. answer. You've yes. given me a logical well, answer. Well, I'm going to take, take a round of applause with your permission. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I sound a bit pathetic there, didn't I? Just a bit. Not as pathetic as Jones the Engineer trying to answer Mystery Hour callers without me thinking I didn't realise that I was standing in the background and he was going, no, well, what happens there is they have 500 boxes on top of tellies. I said, oh, it's beautiful. He can stand in for me next week. Will's in Barnet. Will, question or answer? Uh, it's, a, it's a question. Yes. Uh, I'm going to Paris in the summer. And right. uh, when I was a kid, I was always told that if you threw a penny off the Eiffel Tower, it had the force of a brick hitting the floor. And obviously... I'm not going to do it, but it's one of those things I'm just wondering. If you threw a penny off the Eiffel Tower, the top of the Eiffel Tower, yeah. is it got the force Was it the of Eiffel brick? Tower or the Empire State Building? Well, I was told the Eiffel Tower when Were I was you? a kid. Yeah, and it's one of those myths. I just thought, you know, is it true or not? Because we're going there in the summer. That would be interesting to know that. So I'm not going to do it. I, I remember the rumour as well that if you walked on the pavement by the Empire State Building, you'd see pennies like three inches deep in the paving stones. Because they'd hit the ground at such v- velocity that they would uh, actually sort of breach the the rock. Exactly. So crashed uh, into it. I I don't know the answer. I th- I sort of do, and I, and I think the answer is no. Because you have terminal velocity. It doesn't matter where exactly. you drop something from. It hits full. Can it be? Can it be? But is it to scale? So if if you got a penny to the scale of the Eiffel Tower, will it reach its terminal velocity? No, you've fallen into the, the old trap of a of a of a. a I think you've fallen. What what falls faster, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? Same weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it doesn't matter whether it's a penny or a. I don't know, I, and then, frankly, I'm doing you a disservice by trying to answer. We'll, we'll get a proper answer from someone who's properly qualified and not just trying to dredge it up from their f- increasingly dusty memory banks. Have a great trip, though. Well, is it a special occasion, or do you just fancy a bit of Parisian? No, we, we, we've, we've had a lot on. It's been a busy couple of years, so we'll just have a bit of a break. Oh, fantastic. Enjoy it. Don't forget, you can podca- You can take me with you on your podcast. It's lbc.co.uk. Julie's in Chertsey. Question or answer, Julie? It's a question, James. Yes. Um, I'm sure when I was a child, I remember my dad telling me that you had to be an amateur to take part in the Olympics. Um, and I'd like to know if that was the case. And if so, when and why did athletes stop having to be amateurs to take part? 
Oh, I like that question. I, I, I learned something incredible at Wimbledon this year, which is relevant to what you're saying. There was one bloke, one absolute tennis legend, yeah. who, who turned professional in the 50s, and I think he won in 51 and 52, turned professional, so couldn't play, and then they changed the rules in about 58 and 59. He came back and won again. So he had this six-year gap where, because he was a professional tennis player, he might have been an Aussie, he couldn't actually join in, but I can't... Off the top of my head, I can't remember anything like that with you, Lim. You can't remember a brilliant athlete who couldn't take part because they weren't an amateur. That's anymore. right, because they all seem to be professional, full-time athletes. I mean, there are a few exceptions, um, but my husband and I were talking about it the other night, and I said, I'm going to phone James on Thursday, because if he doesn't know, somebody will. Yes. <laughs> well, let's hope you were right. You didn't get jealous, did he, when you said that? No, Good. no, because he knows I listen to you every day, so he knows that you figure very highly in my life. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you, Julie. It's 12.15. We've got to get her an answer now after those lovely words. The promise that I issue to you is that by one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. LBC 97.3 Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. It's 20 minutes after 12. You are listening to LBC 97.3. And the questions to which we currently need answers are these why are the olympic podia thus arranged who decided gold in the middle silver to the left of me bronze to the right of me why is green associated with envy or jealousy what's a punnet seriously i know that sounds odd but what's a punnet and why is it fruity um and when did the olympics become an essentially professional pursuit or a potentially professional pursuit because we all grew up thinking it was entirely amateur when did the pendulum swing i don't actually know oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three then we've got the coin falling from the eiffel tower is it that old uh tale of it hitting the ground at breakneck speed true will it really have the weight of a brick or the impact of a brick um smells like an urban myth but we need proof that it is and there was a couple of others i've written down children why have i written down children what was that question was i just sort of doodling i don't know um we'll find out hugh's in Brecon, Hugh, question or answer? I have an answer. Go on, mate. Punnets. 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 Yes. Um, soft fruit yes. can be sold in punnets, but not by the punnet. They have to be sold by reference to weight. So, so you put, no, you, yeah, you're right, because you put it in a punnet and then you weigh it and then you pay that's it. That's correct, around, yeah. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the issues um, that uh, pe uh, enforcement people have problems with roadside sellers selling them sort of in the punnet, almost as a... Um, a sort of volumatic measure rather than weight, but and they have to be sold by weight. Uh, how, wh wh why do they have to be sold by weight? It's just the Weights and Measures Act. And you are giving perhaps part of an answer with that last revelation. Your qualifications are, why do you know this? I'm a retired trading standards officer. Fantastic. And thank you as well for not correcting my pronunciation of, uh, <laughs> of where you're calling from. I thought Brecon, but the, oh, I don't like to drop colleagues in it unless it's Jones the Engineer, but if someone spells it B-R-E-A-C-O-N, I just think it's a place I've never heard of before. Brecon is a beautiful part of the world. It's gorgeous. It really is gorgeous. Um, I don't know if we've answered the fellow's question, though, Hugh. Well, I thought he asked him, why, why is it sold by the punnet? Yes, but... Which, which what really is, it shouldn't be. But well, no, why does it come in a punnet? Well, I think, as you said, well, it's an open-top container that's protected from being squashed. So that's just a descriptive term, and the question of if, if we... Yeah, you, I think we've nailed this now. So a punnet is just a word like box or yeah. carton yeah. to describe a, a sort of five-sided cuboid, and, a, uh, and they shouldn't be sold in punnets because that would actually be in contravention of the Weights well, and Measures Act. 
they can be sold in punnets. But as a weight, they're sold weight, by yeah. weight yeah. in a punnet. Yeah. I think that's pretty well, comprehensive. Okay. I, think, I think this is for you. <laughs> Great work, Hugh. Anwar's in Stockley Park. Question or answer, Anwar? Uh, an answer to the penny question. The penny dropped off the top of the Eiffel Tower. Oh, yeah, any, any high building. I mean, after a short while, it reaches its nominal velocity, which is, um, with the weight of the penny, is going to be well below any kind of force that could do any sort of damage to anybody. I think, at the worst, it could just break skin. Qualifications? Engineer. Fair enough. And it's the size. At what point? So, uh, what, a brick would hurt if it was dropped from the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, a brick would hurt, <laughs> certainly, because of its mass. That's not um, the that's not the most controversial thing I've ever said on the station. <laughs> is it wouldn't be, would it? If a brick got dropped off the Eiffel Tower and landed on my head, that would really hurt. I think it would. Yeah. Fairly confident. Uh, so, yeah, it's a myth then that the, that the penny yeah, dropped from is, a very great height is, would assume yeah. fatal velocity. It would be yeah, terminal, yeah, but not fatal. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> I like that. Well done. Uh, round of applause, round one. Thank you. Two for two. Great work. George is in Southwark. Question or answer, George? All right, James, you have a good question, mate. Uh, why is a sausage in a bed of batter called toad in the hole? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I mean, it is an odd thing to have gone for, isn't it? It's just sort of, toad doesn't look like a toad. One presumes well, it doesn't taste like a toad. And, and to be fair, a nice bed of Yorkshire pudding doesn't look like a hole particularly. Toad in the hole, where does that come from? I like that. Have we done that? Before? Does that ring any bells with you, Jones? It rings a bell. I can't remember the answer, though, so we'll let it stand. Do you like that's Toad in the Hole, George? That's not the original. It's come from me. No, well, I, I, I don't know if we can give you that actual crown. I've got a feeling someone's asked it before, but if we don't know what the answer is. We can keep it out there. I, I'm, I love Toad in the Hole. It's one of my favourite foods. And what's really annoying is that there's been a couple of times in the last fortnight where I've really fancied it, which just goes to show how shocking the weather is. Because <laughs> you're not, you're not going to want toad in the hole during a summer, normal summer heat, are you? Well, I don't know. Gravy well, it depends how hungry you are, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I suppose. Yes, it's gravy and mushy peas. Since you ask, Siobhan is in Brixton. Uh, question or answer, Siobhan? Uh Question. I'm afraid. That's good. We like questions. We'd be lost without them. <laughs> um, cats. Oh. Um, how do they get their markings? I've got a black and white cat. Yeah. And she's almost symmetrical. So, like, and you get a litter of cats where you get a tabby cat, uh, you know, a black cat or a dappled cat. But my cat has got, well, lots of cats do. But they're kind of symmetrical. But you would have thought if it's genetics, then it would be a genetic code. But it looks like she's been splashed with paint. Yeah, well, we know she hasn't. I don't quite understand the question. You've sort of answered it yourself, haven't you? It's just, How? It's just well, it's going to be in the, it's the same reason why you've got coloured eyes. Yep. Well, why do you get a tabby cat and a black cat in the same litter? Well, the same reason you get brothers and sisters with different coloured eyes. Yeah, but what's the benefit? Why wouldn't you... There's no benefit. So how do, but why Have would Have you it... got any sisters? Yeah. Do you look identical? Four. No. Well, there you go. Yeah, but I don't look black and they're white. No, but but you're not a cat. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, so your physical differences from your siblings with more or less identical DNA are simply yeah, random... Yeah, that doesn't explain why you look like it. It might explain why you're different to others, but it doesn't explain why. Why, why what? She has got... <laughs> 
She's got, like, white feet, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So have you. And... Correct. Yeah. And... Uh, I just checked. <laughs> and, um... So have I. She's... But <laughs> she's got, like, patterns. If you... If you lo- laid her up in a fetal position... Yeah. It's like she's been splatted with paint. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. But I, d- yeah. I don't understand what you're confused by. It's no different from any other well, cat's markings. Hers just are a little bit more paint-like than others. No, but, yeah, you know, tabby but, cats look like, yeah. um, the. Yeah, but people have brown hair, curly hair, freckles. I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 I don't understand why you're talking about cats. Because they're not... Well, why would you be... Why? Why? I don't get it. Why do cats look different from each other? No, why do cat? How do cats get their their markings? Because it's well, like it's a genetic symmetrical. inheritance. Yeah, but it, it's it, it's done in a pattern. Not, it's not like What's you some, know they're what? brown. Well, some are. It's, well, are they? Yeah, I had a brown Burmese when I was young. Oh. Toby. <laughs> I've never had a brown cat. Yeah, it was a brown. So again, I think we're even more confused about what your question is now. No. Well, I am. It's what? It's what? You know what I mean. I have absolutely no idea. Wait there, Sam Peters is here to do the headlines. Sam, are you any clearer on what Siobhan is asking here? How do cats get their markings? Yeah, they're born with them, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, they're born with them, Siobhan. Can I get a round of applause? No, oh, back off, back <laughs> in your box. That's, that's just don't big up your part. <laughs> so they're but they're born with. I don't. No, no one knows what you're talking about, Shimon. I d- I don't believe you. Well, quick show of hands in the studio. Does anyone understand Shivon's question? It's bad news, Shivon. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully someone will. Well, let's have one more go. We've got thirty seconds before Sam actually does his day job. Okay. Right. Hello, Shivon. Question or answer? Um, another, I've got another question. No, 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 no. T- t- ask me about cats. Oh, uh, I was going to ask you, um, why evolutionary yeah. do men have hair? What? <laughs> well, we used to be covered in fur. Yeah, I know, but why would, why would like women cats. stop having less hair than men? Even like, why do they? Why do men have beards and women we, don't? Uh, what's I happened to the cat? What's happened to the producer? Says you were going to ask me a question about cats. What's, what's happened to oh, the cat? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go on. It's all related, isn't it? Yeah, it might be um, if I understood the cat question. Okay, so um, how how what? do their genetics define their markings? Oh, how do cats oh, oh! I don't know. Twelve thirty. Sam Peters is here with the headlines. Head Miller one. The promise that I issue to you is that by one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. LBC ninety-seven point three Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Thirty-one minutes after twelve, we need we need to get some answers. Why is green associated with envy historically? I've had one reference via email from the seventh century, but but of course we can't accept that unless it comes in over the phone lines. Podiums at the Olympics. Who decided on their arrangements? Uh, staying with the Olympics. When did it stop being amateur? Because we all grew up, I think, if you're anything even remotely close to my age being told that athletes were, were amateurs. They're clearly not anymore. Uh, why is Toad in the Hole called Toad in the Hole? And how the how do cats get their markings? Carl's in Pearly. Carl, question or answer? Oh, question, please. Yeah. 
got my dunces cap, by the way. I'm ready to go into the corner. Oh, don't worry, mate. Don't be like that. <laughs> why? <laughs> why is it? Why are insects attracted to ultraviolet light? It's a great question. God, you know, I was quaking in my boots. No, it's a cracker, that. I've got no idea. Oh, I mean, that isn't, that, isn't con- that isn't conclusive proof. I grant you that it's a great question. The fact that it's I haven't got a, a Scooby. It's not a question that's been hanging about for 35 years. I've just bought a new lamp for my insect killer. Yeah. Wasted, wasted six quid because it, was a, it wasn't the lamp at all. The other thing had turned out. Yeah, but, I, think, uh, I think you started well, but you think we should have quit at the end of the question. But, I think this insight old... into your domestic arrangements, though yeah. fascinating, <laughs> maybe isn't playing that well outside of Pearly. The ultraviolet light exists in the, in the in <laughs> ultraviolet light exists in the um, light spectrum, but, but you don't see flies and moths and mosquitoes charging about madly, just trying to go up into the higher atmosphere to get killed. Yeah. No, it's not the light that kills them. The light attracts them, and then they get electrocuted. Oh, I know that. Yeah, so the light is like the moon. They chase them. I mean, theory, I think historically they they fly towards the moon. They use the moon as a as a sort of navigational aid, and it maybe it's like the ultraviolet light is a fake moon. I didn't think flies came out. No. Your, your silence speaks volumes. <laughs> so that's it's on the board, Carl. <laughs> Maggie's in Lewis. Maggie, question or answer? Hi, James. Question, Hello. please. Hello, Maggie. Um, now, we're all delighted the Army are involved in the security of our Olympic, mm. Olympics, Olympics. Uh, but when it starts, uh, will they be wearing their desert camouflage fatigues or a smarter uniform? Can I? So they, they, they sort of, um, uh, I don't know, they sort of, um, I mean, when... Well, you mean, will the they, be in, will they be in camos or khakis? Or, 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 yeah, khakis. Or, or they sort of, it doesn't... Because when you see the army trying to recruit, yeah, um, they look very different. They look very smart, don't they? I, I, well, y- yes. I mean, in clearly, their sort of dad's yeah. army type of uniform. right. Yes, in their Sunday best, as it were. Yes. So, will they be in that uniform or standing out <laughs> very much in in sort of desert yes. camouflage? I, 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 the reason I'm sort of burbling a bit is i'm i'm conscious of not being unchivalrous or, or ungentlemanly but I, I need to ask you a slightly delicate question here yeah what <laughs> is, is uh, i sense that it, it it will affect your feelings depending on do, do you have you, you prefer a soldier in a certain type of uniform maggie that's what i'm that's what i'm sensing <laughs> from this conversation <laughs> no i i just think that that sort of camouflage should be uh, be worn when they're in that desert. Do you see what I mean? Yes, I do. So uh, what will they be wearing when they're on duty at the Olympic Park? Yes. That's what we want to know. Yes, please. And you'll be secretly disappointed if they haven't got their dress uniforms on because yes. you'll find them ever so slightly more <laughs> exciting. Well, I, I think to to all the visitors, and um, I mean, if you sort of give over that very sort of, um, I don't know, serious look rather than... Um, I don't know. I just no, I, I understand. So I, I presume. So I think they're called fatigues or or, or formal dress. You have fatigues or you have your dress uniform. I think so. Do squaddies have dress uniforms or is it just officers? That I don't know. Presumably, when you're passing out at Sandhurst, you're dressed differently from how. I don't know. Why am I talking? Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Duncan is in Acton. Duncan, question or answer? Hi, James. Got an answer. Come on, Duncan. 
Um, well, the uh, the envy question: Why is green associated with envy? Yes, um, it's from Shakespeare. Iago says it to Othello. No, I've already done. In, so you uh, tuned in late today, didn't you? I I did a little bit. Yeah. We already had it. I've already done that. It is the green-eyed oh. monster that doth mock the meat it feeds on. Beware, my lord of jealousy. Did anyone talk about where it came from originally? Well, we need to go beyond that. Yeah, it was back. Back uh, the Greeks used to associate very much colours with emotion. That's correct. So if yeah, if you were red, you were angry. If you were blue, you the were humours. The humours. Mm, and envy was very much associated with green because it was seen as a sickness. If you felt envious, you felt sick. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I've so, got a reference in Sappho dating back yeah. to uh, uh, well, that would be about the seventh century BC. Mm. Um, yeah. where she refers to something as green as well. I don't know if the Envy was a... Yes, of course it must have been, wasn't it? I think yeah. you've done enough to earn a, a round of applause. Oh, wonderful, thank you. What are your qualifications? <laughs> well, I'm an actor, and when I was studying when I was studying a fellow at drama school, it was one of the phrases that really made me feel curious, and I looked it up. And, and that's where you learnt about the Greek, because it's the Greek root that is the answer, not the Othello reference. I think so, and it's, it's Shakespeare that just made it popular. Have you ever played... Othello? No, I've played Iago, though. Have you really? Yeah, so but back... only at drama school. Not, not only at drama school, Duncan. Well, You've either played yeah. it or you haven't. Iago's a better I've part than it. Othello. It's a, more, it's a more nuanced part than Othello, isn't it? Well, I think so. I'd love to have played Iago. Have you ever played <laughs> the Dane? I've not, no. I've not. There comes a time in an actor's life where he must look himself in the mirror, Duncan, and admit he shall never play the Dane. I'm not there yet. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I think that's a Whistnall in quote. I've gone from Othello to Whistnall. Let's give Duncan his round of applause before I embarrass myself further. Thank do you, you want to? Uh, do you want to plug anything? Are you, are you, are you got anything coming up that you want to give a mention? Not to? at the moment. No, yeah. just resting at the moment. Yeah, so, we're all no. familiar with the resting actor. And yeah. Long. Well, I was about to say, long may it continue. No, long may it not continue. Soon may it be over. Thank you, Duncan. Bill's in Harlow. Bill, question or answer? It's a question, James. Come on, Bill. Good morning to you. Is it morning? Is that it? That's the worst question we've ever had on Miss Chat. No, Bill, it is definitely afternoon. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Frank's in Oxford. Frank, question or answer? Don't be mean, Bill. I'm only joking. I know you are, James. My question is, James. Yes. uh, In the Christian religion, which is the more important, Westminster Abbey or St Paul's Cathedral? (laughs) You could start a war with a question like this, Bill. Well, I don't want to start a war, but... it's, I mean, the thing is, what you're what you're doing, oddly, is comparing apples with pears, or at least you're comparing Granny Smith with Cox's orange pippins, because exactly. because they're two branches of the Christian religion. Yeah, yeah. There's the Catholic, as you know, and the Protestant, so you can't really answer it from an objective purview. To a Catholic, it's it's going to be. Um, oh, you said Westminster Abbey or St Paul's? Yes, but I thought they were What's both the other on one? the um, Protestant. What's the, what's the, what am I thinking of? West, Archbishop of Westminster. Canterbury. Yeah. Archbishop of Westminster's a Catholic. Is it, is it, is Westminster at the a Catholic church? Or Catholic, um... Well, it would have been once. You've got, I've, I've gone all a bit funny. I've got, Archbishop of Westminster is, is, is the Catholic Archbishop. Yeah. Where did, where uh, did William and Kate get married? Uh, they got married in St Paul's, didn't they? No. That was Westminster Abbey, so it can't be Catholic. No, Exactly. Westminster's more important than St Paul's. It is? Yeah. How do you know? Because that's where Prince William got married. Okay, then, suppose... No, it's the uh, seat... Of, it's no, Ch- Prince Charles got married, got married in St Paul's. Yeah, you're right. Oh, cracky. For someone who's always congratulating himself on his religious knowledge, you've just exposed a massive gap in my domestic understanding. 
Yes, well, I'm, I'm pleased about that. Yeah, but I thought you would be. Where did you get married? Did you get married in a church? I got married in a church, yes, I did, in, in Richmond. I bet you, wouldn't you feel proud if you said, oh, only a church, I got married in an abbey? Well, you say that, Bill, but yeah. I haven't got many mates. <laughs> so it would have been all very well getting married in an abbey, but, yeah. you know, by the time my 11 friends had spread out over the pews, and that's including Jones the Engineer, so I've already scraped the barrel pretty blooming blow, <laughs> uh, it would look a bit ridiculous. It'd be like getting married in an empty aircraft hangar. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so there was this cave you got married in. <laughs> <laughs> I got married in a phone box, so I invited all my closest <laughs> friends. Let's get an answer. What's, what's, what's supreme? What does it, is there a hierarchy? That's a, I tell you what, it's better than your other question there, about whether it was morning or... <laughs> Okay, James. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day. Frank is in Oxford. Sorry to keep you, Frank. Question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Marvellous. Good afternoon, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, you learned something from the last call. I didn't did. You? <laughs> um, it's a quick question because my wife and I were debating last night where we should go on holiday. Oh, yeah, and we're not, thinking, where can I'm we not go? Simon Calder. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> no, no. Um, we were trying to figure out where we could go in, in Europe or past out as we could to avoid the dreadful weather where yes. we could spend euros. Ah, yes. And I was thinking, well, what's the furthest you could go, apart from maybe the Canary Islands, where you could actually spend euros? Because once upon a time I was in Argentina, and I discovered in Argentina you can use, well, you used to be able to use American dollars, and I thought, God, the countries are miles apart. You yeah, can use dollar. Thing? You can use dollars almost anywhere. As a, a, just sort of the, the the more the more fragile the domestic economy, the more valuable a dollar becomes. It's sort of in communist Russia. It was they'd even accept Levi jeans as currency, but dollars were considered much more useful than rubles because their yeah. value doesn't fluctuate from day to day. So if you were in somewhere like Zimbabwe now, the the domestic currency is more or less useless to you because inflation means it, 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 it's it's absolutely out of control whereas a dollar is worth the same tomorrow as it was yesterday more or less yeah. so but you want to know where you could use a euro outside the, the eurozone well yeah i mean imagine, imagine you could go to somewhere in the middle of the pacific or something and then you'd find that euros are standard currency or quite a strange but, question yeah i was just think you know where, where how far could you go what were you debating what were you and your wife well, we're thinking we've got we've got a few hundred euros left could we get on a plane somewhere and just carry on spending them without having to change them back into pounds again yes and lose money. <laughs> no, I could, so how far, not in a Eurozone, do they take Euros anywhere outside the Eurozone, frankly? Well, that's, that's the question, I guess. Yeah, that's what we're going to ask. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Uh, Westminster Cathedral is not the same as Westminster Abbey. Westminster Cathedral's by Victoria, isn't it? It's down that, it's down that way. Westminster Abbey is the one by the House of Commons. So I apologise for inflicting my own ignorance on you. Thanks to uh, Joe in Marlowe for pointing out millions of people. Yeah, all right, I'm the only person in the world that didn't know. I just got confused in my head. So the Archbishop of Westminster refers to Westminster Cathedral, and that is Catholic. Westminster Abbey... See, Canterbury presumably supersedes Westminster because the Archbishop of Canterbury is the most important Anglican cleric in the country. So it goes Canterbury, York. I don't think Westminster gets a look in. I don't know, then. Westminster or St. Paul's? What's the king of the churches? Pete's in Dagenham. Pete, question or answer? Answer, mate. Come on, Pete. Uh, the Olympics question about the camouflage, what uniform they'll wear? Yes, for reasons that we won't go into in too much detail, Maggie wants to know what the soldiers will be wearing at the Olympic Park. They will be wearing what they've been wearing on the news, because that's their day-to-day working dress, whereas the number ones and number twos, which is a smarter dress, is only worn on certain occasions. Plus, you can't work in it because it's so uncomfortable. Is it really? Yeah. And does every soldier have a number one and a number two? Uh, no, like, everyone will have number twos, which is 
um, what you'll see on, like, Remembrance Day and stuff. And that's what I might call a dress uniform, is it? Or Yeah, with yeah. the medals on. Yeah, got you. Um, and then only other certain regiments. Um, you can get them, but you just, you'll never wear them. Unless you're like guards or something like that. Right, I understand. I, I think most people listening will have ans- will have worked out your answer to my next question. What are your qualifications, Pete? Uh, eight years in the forces. <laughs> so they'll be wearing, and is that called battle dress or fatigues? Am I getting my words right here? Yeah, just this sort of DPM working dress. What does DPM stand for? Disruptive pattern material. But it's changed. It's just um, after I got out, it changed to this new um, all-round Uniform. So they will be wearing not, their day clothes, as it were, their work clothes. Yeah. They won't yeah, be wearing work their fancy dress. clothes. For the simple reason that the fancy clothes are there to look fancy, not to be functional. Yeah. It's earned you this, mate, to go with your medals. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 0845-6060973 is the number to call if you can answer any of the questions you've already heard, or with 15 minutes of Miss Jow remaining, if you want to slip in a cheeky question before close of play today. It's 12.45. J. Louise Knight is in the LBC. LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with James O'Brien. It's 12 minutes to one. When did the Olympics cease to be an amateur celebration? Why is Toad in the hole called Toad in the hole? Why do insects get drawn to ultraviolet light? And uh, cat markings. There was a question about them, which I didn't really understand, but if you did, you can answer it. Well, how far out of the Eurozone can you realistically expect to be able to pay with a Euro? And what's the king of the churches? Which supersedes which out of Westminster Abbey and St Paul's Cathedral? Emma is in Dalston. Emma, question or answer? Answer for um, insects flying towards ultraviolet light. Oh, yes. Um, Basically, they see in a higher spectrum insects. But most insects will see in a higher spectrum than we do. So they're drawn to ultraviolet light, of course, which we, is invisible to the human eye. Other insects are drawn to light bulbs because they're used to only having the moon as a source of light during the night. Yes. And that's what they use as a navigational tool. That's pretty so, comprehensive. Yeah. So they, they see the ultraviolet light in a way that we don't, and it is irresistible to them or attractive. Yes. Well, uh, that's how they see flowers as well. The flowers emit some kind of higher light source that the human eye can't see, so they'll be drawn to it as a source of food. Yeah, I buy that. What are your qualifications? My dad's an entomologist. An entomologist. And a beekeeper. You're, you, are you? I, well, I don't have bees now, but um, oh. I want to. You're a bee loser, then. <laughs> Sorry. That was even B, <laughs> B, B-, B- minus. So that was Jones's joke. That's better than mine. Crikey. Who'd have thought that would ever happen? You've earned, and I thought your father would be a, an etymologist, not an entomologist, as my producer has written on the screen, which, of course, would make him an expert in the roots of words. Would have been an odd qualification to bring to the table, wouldn't it? Yes. And an answer about the question about insects. Yeah. Eti, anyway. eti, eti, have I got that the wrong way around? Enti. Yeah, he's not an etymolo- etymologist, which is what I've got written. Etymologist is word. Yeah, that's what I've got written here. Etymologist and beekeeper. Mm. So I've just given Jones a compliment, so I have to take that back now and cancel it out by being rude about another colleague. <laughs> Shall I give you a round of applause? Please, All I'd right. love one. There you go. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Good luck with the bees. Are you going to get some more? I will, yeah. yeah. Just find me about swarm in Dorset right now, so... 
Cool. Yeah, out of London, I'll have bees. There's There's nothing wrong with having bees in London. I've got a friend friend who's got them on what is a relatively small balcony of of an apartment, and they're an absolute joy. I've got chickens. Neil's in Coolston. Neil, question or answer? Answer. Come on, then. Um, It's to the question about what's uh, more important, Westminster Abbey or St. Paul's Cathedral. Mm. Um, Traditionally, they're about the same, but what um, swings it for me is when you look at the reason why St. Paul's was built. St. Paul's was built during the Protestant Reformation or shortly afterwards to try and rival or outdo St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. St. St. Paul's has always been a Protestant cathedral, whereas Westminster Abbey was Catholic Catholic originally. So um, there's not much between them. As you said, Charles and Diana were married at St. Paul's, whereas Kate and William were married at Westminster Abbey. But some Protestants may see St. Paul's as slightly more important. Uh, But what about coronations? Hmm? Coronations? Indeed. They're at Westminster. So that would be another reason to swing back the other way. So they're about the same. I, 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 so there is no winner? No. I like your answer. What are your qualifications? I'm an IRE teacher and researched it as part of the Reformation. What were you doing at 10 o'clock this morning? What was I doing at 10 o'clock this morning? I was yeah. lying in bed listening to Mystery Hour. Well, well listening to you, but... Sorry. Why didn't you ring in about creation? You're an RE teacher, you've rung in about blinking church wars, and you didn't ring in about creationist schools! Because I didn't think it was as big an issue as you were making it out to be. Ooh, you may be right, actually. But it wouldn't have been much fun if you had rung in and said that, so I'm very grateful to you for not doing so. Okay. <laughs> Give him a round of applause. Thank you, Neil. Uh, it's it's uh, UV markings that reflect ultraviolet light flowers have. They don't actually emit it. They reflect it in a way that the human eye can't see, just to clarify. Thank you. Tom's in Wood Green. Tom, question or answer? Got an answer, James. Yes. You sound a little unconvinced even before you start speaking, which doesn't fill me with confidence. No, I was, I was just doing something else. Oh, oh sorry. Um, sorry. Do you want to carry um, on? I'll come back to you, shall um, I? I mean, no, no, I'm multitasking. It's fine. Okay. Um, what I was going to say was about the Euros. Yes. Um, that, um, if you look on a Euro, there's a little map of Europe showing the countries it can be used. But then in the corner, there's a little box with a little square in it, which I think represents French Guiana, which is right down in South America. And that is the furthest away that you can use the euro. And uh, it's actually on the map. What about the, the Dutch euro. Antilles? Well, I'm not sure where that is, but that might oh, also my. be on the map. So, um, of but, course, um, because there are other European countries that have dominion still, like the Dutch Antilles well, or Martinique. Yeah, exactly. And the on. furthest one away, which is also on... The, which is oh, the, stay there, stay there, Tom. We're all going to learn something, I think. Peter's in Romford. Peter, what have you got? Good afternoon, James. Hello, Peter. Yeah, the Euro question, uh, the caller you got on the other line is right. Uh, countries in Europe, particularly France, have uh, parts that are overseas, and the main one of these is France. And uh, the Antilles, uh, St. Martin, uh, Guadeloupe, etc., belong uh, to France. They are French departments, and therefore... The uh, euro is the legal tender there. They have mostly American tourists, therefore the dollar is widely used. Out of pragmatism. Uh, the basic prices are in, in euros. euros. Brilliant answer. We don't know which is the furthest away, but that's, it sort of depends on where you start from. What are your qualifications, Peter? I'm a re- retired travel agent. Brilliant. Tom, that, so you, you've nailed it, Tom, but we've just put a little <laughs> more flesh on the bones with Peter there. No problem at all. I'm grateful to Peter. Great stuff, chaps. You can share this.
Well, you live and learn. Uh, that, for me, is the thing I did. I mean, uh, there's a lot I've learned today, uh, not least about um, uh, sort of... Uh, well, we haven't done toad in the hole, but insects and ultraviolet light. I didn't learn much about the markings of cats. Jealousy uh, and the colour green, but that's the one I'll remember. Definitely. The uh, euro being acceptable in Guadeloupe. Barry's in Southend. Question or answer, Barry? Uh, it's a question, James. Is it? No, sorry, it's an answer. I do oh. apologise. I'm having a... Just listen to your last what, uh, caller. <laughs> I'm having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then, with your it's answer. It's the toads in the hole. I actually done this about a year ago. Oh, God. Answered it as well. Did you? Did you? you don't say yes, that. I you did. make us sound like amateurs, mate. We, well, we've all forgotten. Go on, then. Yeah. Is that the only one you've ever answered on, Mystery Out? No, two. Oh, I right. actually phoned up for a question uh, once before, and I'm actually doing an experiment tonight to find out the answer. Oh, right. an old fridge freezer. Well, well, we, oh, good. Well, we'll, well, let us know how you get on, but give me the toad in the hole yeah, rerun. Yeah, toad in the hole. Literally, just literally an old peasant food, because when it first got made, it was a very cheap and easy meal to make, and it wasn't actually sausage when it first came out. It could be any sort of variety of meat. And you could it hide the meat in the batter, effectively. It, Exactly. Even used to be pigeon at one point in the 1700s, because yeah. like, you could get the pigeon anyway, just go in the garden and shoot one. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but the reason why I got toads in the hole is because, you know when you've mixed the, the batter and you put all your meat inside and you get the meat slightly popping up the top? Yeah. Exactly how the rich used to see, like, how they saw frogs in the pond, when you used to get all the mildew across the water, and you used to get the little heads just popping up. Yeah, that works for me. That, that, yeah, called, absolutely. It used to be called frog in the hole. So the top of a sausage would look, poking out the top of the batter, even without the bubbles, the top of the sausage would look a little like a frog's head. Yeah. And literally, that's how it got its name from it. Because, say, the rich people thought it was a disgusting thing to make. How did, uh, they, how did they cook it in the olden days? Because they wouldn't have had ovens with doors, would they? They'd, they'd have put it in a clay kiln or something like that. Exactly, and then when they brought yeah. it out, the bubbles were coming up through the batter. Oh, I'm making myself hungry. It. I do love a bit of... It is nice, totally out. quality, quality meal, Toad in the Hole, mate. It really hits the spot. Anyway, I must have asked you this a year ago, but I'm going to ask you again. What are your qualifications? Uh, I used to be in catering. I went to catering college, and I'm actually off to do a training course in the school kitchen now for some new chefs. Fantastic. Good luck with that. And take this with you. With our best wishes. <laughs> two for two. And, and no, it's my fault. The repeat, not his. So he gets another round of applause. Perfectly fair. Eddie's in Bermondsey. Question or answer, Eddie? It's an answer, James. Come on, mate. Uh, the IOC and turning... Yeah, when did the Olympics be... I mean, we sort of think of them as amateur in our childhood, but they're clearly not anymore, so... Well, um, most, I mean, most of the sports are still amateur. I have a, um, the boxing is strictly amateur. Uh, the shooting events, I don't imagine there's a professional tour, but the, the athletics, track and field, yeah. there was a growing professional circuit in the early 80s. I remember a documentary of Alan Wells was trying to be um, poached onto it, but he refused to turn pro. But uh, the IOC was afraid that the Olympics would be lacking stars, so they allowed... Like when Rod Laver opted out yeah. of Wimbledon after turning pro in 1962. Exactly, so they had to change their policy, because otherwise there would be no show, really, without the track So the first field. games, not 84... Yeah, 1988, it was the, the first... Is that Carl the Lewis? Carl Lewis, that sort of and era. Yeah, because because they were all in Seoul in 1988. Because you would pay, wouldn't you, to go and see some when they b b b see them run, and they'd want some of the money themselves. Brilliant answer. It's earned you this, <laughs> and it means we're done for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow from ten. I'm James O'Brien. This is Petrie Hoskin. Thank you.